Good morning. The reading this morning is Zechariah's song, and that can be found in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 80. And that is on page 1027 of the Pew Bibles, 1027. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alistair. You might like to keep that open in front of you. Um, get myself sorted here. Um, well, you know that the East Coast is better than the West Coast, right? Yeah? All those, all those in favour of the East Coast is better? Who thinks the West Coast is better? No, no, no. I think it was about 48, 52% there. Um, you know, the East Coast is better than the West Coast. It's obvious because the sun rises in the east. Over the sea, doesn't it? It's a beautiful thing. I, I grew up on the East Coast, and the sun always rose in the east over the sea, and it was beautiful. And um, as I was thinking about this passage, and I was thinking about when I was a boy and uh, growing up, and maybe you had some similar experiences to this, but I found it very difficult at times to sleep at night um, in the dark. Um, I was basically afraid of the dark, um, and I had spells where I just couldn't, I was just so frightened of the dark, really frightened. I remember it very vividly, uh, and it, was t- it used to terrify me, and, um, uh, and I would, you know, sleep with the light on. You know, maybe you do that still, I don't know. And I'd be awake all through the night, right up until the moment that the, the dawn uh, broke, and then I'd fall asleep. Um, It was as if the the light, uh, as a child, was was banishing all my my fears, all my my doubts and and all my anxiety and all my troubles were as if they were were going. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun 
will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. God our Father, we pray now as we think about this together that your Holy Spirit would teach us and lead us into the path of peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is much hustle and and bustle in the the house of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Uh, As you can imagine, the baby has arrived, all the neighbours are rushed over, the relatives are there, um, uh, and they're all trying to catch a glimpse of the the miraculous baby, let's be honest, born to an elderly um, couple. Um, And there was great speculation, of course, about the name. There always is, isn't there? And you can imagine the scene. And Elizabeth uh, cuts into the conversation and says, oh, his name is John. Well, there's lots of tutting and going, you know, there's no one called John in the the family. Um, I do remember naming some of our children and uh, some of the family were a bit like, well, there's no... There's no Nathan in, in your family. So you kind of know what it, was, what it was like for Zachariah and Elizabeth um, at the birth of their child. Um, and so they turn to Zachariah. Now what's happened to Zachariah? He's been mute, hasn't he, for nine months since he decided to debate with God his plan. And so everyone turns to him and he writes on a tablet, his name is John. Uh, It's not as if he writes, it's going to be John. Um, It's already decided. And it's the first words that come out of his mouth. And immediately his uh, voice is open and he begins to speak. And everyone is shocked and everyone is is, uh, amazed at what's going on. And so what did Zechariah do? His first words were, He wrote, actually, uh, his name is John. But what was his first words on his mouth? What was his first utterance? Well, it's this song, isn't it, that we have recorded, that we had read by Alistair. A song. Uh, And uh, you will notice um, that he starts with praise, doesn't he? He starts with praising God in verse 68. Um, He's going to to save his people. He's going to redeem them. He's going to rescue them um, through someone coming from the house of David. And, of course, we understand that, don't we, as the baby Jesus. It's interesting he starts there. He doesn't actually give praise and thanks to God for his own son that's been born. Uh, In fact, John only really seems to get one line, doesn't he, in verse 76, when he says uh, he'll be the one who goes before the Lord to prepare the way. Zechariah is full of this, this, the full of the Holy Spirit, and at that moment, for him, of great blessing for him and Elizabeth, all he really wants to do is praise God for his redeeming work, for his saving work of what Jesus has come to do. It's a wonderful song to be studied and to be cherished. And actually, what I really want to do this morning, briefly, is to focus in on something we don't really talk much about at Christmas, but it's it's actually one of the names that's given to Jesus. Um, If you look down with me, it's there in the second half of verse 78. We've already been alluding to it. By which 
the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Jesus is the rising sun. That's a name that's given to him. And and actually, as I was looking this up this week, um, the word in Greek in the original language is Anatole. And apparently it's a boy's name. I didn't know this. Anyone got a middle name here, Anatole? Well, anyone know anyone called Anatole? It, it, apparently it's more common in, in France uh, and in Eastern Europe and Russia. Um, Anatole, uh, it means rising sun. And had I thought of it, I could have named one of my children. That, that would, have been, would have been great to call Anatole, to be the rising sun. I mean, what a great name. The rising sun. Sometimes it's translated morning star or day spring. It's that point of light visible before dawn, just as the sun lights up the east. That's why the east is the best. The Anatole, the rising sun, is a name for Jesus. I remember those cold, dark mornings when... Uh, in January, we were out, out on the farm lambing the sheep, and quite suddenly the eastern sky starts to glow. And I remember, you know, because we're out lambing in the, in the night, because they don't just arrive at three o'clock in the afternoon when you'd like them to, and the, the glow would light up. You've maybe had a hard night uh, of work, and... Um, the mood changes, your mind changes, your heart changes when, when you see that morning sun. The night has passed, and you know that nothing is going to stop the, the, rising, the rising sun. Because of the tender mercy of God, verse 78, by which the rising sun will come from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus is the rising sun. He's the Anatole. Um, He's the one who chases away the darkness. And his rising, you cannot stop it. It's come. Now, um, for a moment, it's worth us pausing and asking about the darkness first, isn't it? What, What does the darkness What does the Bible say about darkness? Well, it it means broadly three things. Um, First of all, there's the darkness of our ignorance. And we see a bit of that in verse 77. It says that he will give the people knowledge of salvation. You see, we walk about in the world in in ignorance, don't we? We, We're in the dark and we hate to be in the dark. It's an awful thing, isn't it, to not know something that somebody else knows, to be in the dark. It's horrible being in the dark. It's, it's disastrous being in the dark because you make mistakes, don't you? And you, you fall into, into ditches like I used to do when I was wandering around the farm. So there's the darkness of our ignorance. There's the darkness of our, our morality. It's there, actually, it's alluded to in verse 77, for the forgiveness of, of their sins. Because we don't know God, we don't know how to live for him, do we? we don't know him, we, how are you earthly going to know how to live for him? And that's a, a, described as a darkness. We need him to show us righteousness and holiness in verse 75. There is darkness to each of us and we just can't see it. There's darkness in each of us. 
darkness of, of uh, ignorance, darkness of our morality, and darkness of our death, isn't it, here? That's the ultimate reality in, in, uh, of life in darkness. The wages of sin is death, doesn't it? It says that in, in the Bible. Verse 79, we live in the shadow of it. It haunts us over us. And we all know it's going to happen. It lurks, and it probably is the reason for our fear in us. And probably it was the fear that I, of why I couldn't sleep at night in the dark. And we, we should fear it, because, because we, without Christ... We're under judgment, aren't we, because of it? Three kinds of darkness in which we live each moment of every day. And, and God could have quite easily and reasonably left us in the dark, couldn't he? He could have done that. But we hear these beautiful words and wonderful words in 78 because of the tender mercy of God. Such a beautiful phrase, isn't it? The tender mercy. He doesn't just say mercy. It's the tender mercy of God. And you find that in Scripture. And as I was thinking about this, I found a sermon by Spurgeon. Um, And I won't read you the whole sermon because that would take a long time. But just listen to what he said about the tender mercy. He wrote in the 19th century. They seem to write in a a more beautiful way. I wish I could write like this. He says, he says this, um, the main point of the morning sermon will to bring out into prominence these few words, the tender mercy of God. He, goes, he says, to, to me they gleam with kindly light. I see in them a soft radiance as of those matchless pearls whereof the gates of heaven are made. There is an exceeding melody to my ear, as well as my heart in the words tender. Mercy is music, and tender mercy is the most exquisite form of it, especially to the broken heart. To one who is despondent and despairing, this word is life from the dead. A great sinner, much bruised by the lashes of conscience, will bend his ear this way and cry, let me hear again the dulcet sounds of those words. Tender mercy. It's good, isn't it? (laughs) It's brilliant. The tender mercy of God is good news that we all need. And because of it, he sends the rising sun Jesus, to shine on those living in darkness, to lift us out of darkness, to give us a new dawn. And this new dawn, this, this rising sun, it, it's, it's a phrase that crops up in the Bible all the time. And, and if you look in, in uh, 2 Peter, Peter is trying to encourage uh, the Christians to, to live for Jesus in a difficult time. And he says this, he says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star, the Anatole, rises in your hearts. You see, 
the dark places are not so much out there somewhere, you know, in the, in, in the, in the kind of political government uh, areas in the economics and, and, and society out there. Yes, they, of course, are. But what he's saying is that here is that actually the darkness is in the human heart. It's, in, it's inside us. Where that's where ignorance and sin and, and, uh, um, uh, and death reside. And, and that, that is where we need the morning star. That is where we need the Anatole Jesus to, to rise in your heart, in my heart, your heart. Uh, we also see this, this uh, um, theme in, in the Old Testament. Uh, you can go back to, to Numbers 22 and 25. Um, it might seem like a very strange story, uh, the story of Balak and Balaam. But go and have a look at it. It's, it's fascinating. Um, the king of Moab, a man called Balak, he was not very nice towards Israel, and he summons Balaam, and he summons him to curse the Israelites, and he's even going to pay him to do it, sort of paying for prophecy <laughs> against Israel. Um, and to cut a long story short, God puts all kinds of obstacles in his path, his journey is blocked, and by the time he, he reaches Balak, who's a Moabite, they, they live ne- near uh, Israel, rather than calling down curses on Israel, which is, after all, why Balak is paying him, Balaam now has the Spirit of God upon him and instead prophesies blessings uh, for Israel. And, of course, Balak's not very happy. He goes, he goes ballistic about this. He refuses to give him any money. And so Balaam turns again with another message from God. And, and even right back here, thousands of years before Jesus, he says this. He says, I see him, but not now. I see him, but not now. Someone in the future. He says, I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter. A scepter means he's kingly. A star comes out of his... An anatole, a rising star, will come out of Israel. And as you read on, we discover he will reign over Balak and Moab. He'll reign over Israel. He'll reign over all nations. Who is he? Who is the star who will come out of Jacob? It's the same star. It's the same morning star. It's the same rising star. It is Jesus. We don't, they didn't see him then, but we see him now, don't we? We behold him, the Anatole, the rising star has come in the person of Jesus. And you see this theme all the way through scripture. Now, in the time remaining, What is God saying to us through this? What does it mean for us? There are two things for us to ponder. The first is, is the rising sun chases away the darkness in our lives. The rising sun, who is Jesus, chases away the darkness in our lives. How? Well, in Jesus, we can know God, can't we? He's, he's, He's the light who's come into darkness. He, he, he banishes our ignorance. Well, it's, it's, it's John 1. We can know him. 
It chases away the darkness of our ignorance. Secondly, in Jesus, we see righteousness and holiness. He lived out. The only person who lived the perfect life of holiness and righteousness, you see it in Jesus, and by faith in him, the darkness of our unrighteousness, of our immorality, is chased away. Our sin is forgiven. And then thirdly, in Jesus, see we see him conquering death, don't we? Through the, the cross and rising to new life. He chases away the darkness of death, even death for us. The morning star, the rising sun, Jesus, the Christ. The first coming means we can know him, we can become like him, and we can live for him forever. The rising sun chases away the darkness. Know that in your hearts this morning. Um, there's a, there's a, I, I've probably used too much uh, things about my own life and, and Lord of the Rings, don't I? Probably. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, the Lord of the Rings. Um, in the two towers, there's a big battle at Helm's Deep. If you don't know Lord of the Rings, just imagine a big battle. And um, things are going terribly for the good forces, Okay. Um, everything seems under siege. Darkness seems to have the upper hand. All looks lost. At Helm's Deep, what happens? Gimli says, the sun is rising. And, and then Aragorn, in a whispery voice, <laughs> remembers what Gandalf said. And he says, look to my coming. At first light on the first day, at dawn, look to the east. And so Gandalf and his army come racing down from the east in the full glare of the morning sun. And what do they do? They banish away darkness and the dark forces. And they're gone. It's brilliant. Um, but that's what Jesus does, isn't it? That's what Jesus does. At the first coming... Just as we think we might be overwhelmed with fear and doubt and anxiety, we look up to the east and the sun rises and he deals with our sin. He deals with our ignorance. He deals with death and he comes and he, he, he does away with it, doesn't he? Just at the moment when we think things are going terribly wrong and they're not gonna, it's not gonna, everything's going to pot. He rises from the dead that first Easter morning you see Jesus chases away the darkness doesn't he that is really good news right that's the first thing we must preach that to our hearts and then the second thing for us to remember this morning is that the rising sun um, points us to the new noon day gotta get it right the rising sun points us to the noonday sun. At Christmas time, it feels a bit like, you know, doesn't it, that we're on a treadmill, that we're rushing headlong towards Christmas Day with all the energy, you know, we're going to eat loads, probably drink loads, and then collapse on the sofa in a cosy stupor to watch TV. <laughs> and probably say things like, oh, 
we got through it. But the, the but you see the point of the imagery uh, here. The point of the imagery from Numbers to Peter to Luke is that the first coming of Christ, the morning star, the day spring, as wonderful as that is, and let's not lose sight of it, it's wonderful, but you think about it. If you think about it, the morning star is, is in the morning, isn't it? it? It's when things are a bit hazy, aren't they? Um, what you need to fix our hearts and our minds on is the coming of the full brightness of the Lord Jesus in the second coming, the noon day, the, the blazing sun, the, the brilliance and brightness of that second coming. Is, I remember being in um, Tanzania a few weeks ago, and you know it's on the equator, and when the, the, the full noonday sun is out, you have no shadow. It's literally there. And it's, it's just overwhelming. Everything is so bright, so intense. It's so brilliant and overwhelming. You see, the first advent, the first coming, is a bit of a taster, a foretaste, a down payment of all that is to come when he comes again in the full glare and the full brilliance of his second coming. The noon day, not the morning star. Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Jesus claims it for himself. And when he returns, he will bring his kingdom fully and finally. And on that day, for all those he has called, all those in Christ, the brightness of his glory will be revealed. He'll be reigning in justice and righteousness, and he will be worshipped, and he'll receive all honour and glory and power that is due his name from every nation and every tongue and tribe. No wonder his second coming is described in this full brightness of the sun. It's picked up, isn't it, in Revelation 20, where it speaks of the city, the new Jerusalem. It does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk by that light. So as we, as you and I, approach Christmas and all the excitement, let's listen to the carols, let's listen out for the, when it speaks about the rising sun, the morning star. Let's listen to the readings. Look for the light in the darkness. As you think about the darkness in our city, as you think about the darkness in our world, think about the darkness in our situations, our our personal situations, let's also realise the darkness of our own hearts. That it goes very deep. It's not just out there. It's, it's, it's inside us. And, and let's think of Jesus, who is the light that brings a new dawn, the first coming, who brought hope through his death and resurrection. And we see that working out, don't we? We see it working out through his people. We capture the light around us, little pinpricks of light bursting through his people. 
And all this should point, the Christian believer, the person who's put their trust in Jesus, it should point us to yet there is more coming. The noon day is coming, where Christ will return. The best and brightness is yet to come. It's good news. And as we run up to the Christmas and we go, phew, it's it's over. Let's look up and let's look over to that day of the coming of the king. Look beyond the turkey, the pigs in blanket, the tinsel and the, the mistletoe. As wonderful as those things are. And see Jesus coming again. See him coming in the full blaze of the noonday sun. And let our hearts be filled with it. The light of Jesus to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of peace to guide our feet into the way of peace. Father, we come before you now and pray that this would be true for us this morning. Father, we thank you that Jesus is the Anatole, the rising sun. We thank you for his first coming. We thank you, Father, that he, he uh, banishes the darkness of our ignorance, of our sin, and of death itself. Pray that you would build us up in faith of Jesus. And Father, as we look to his second coming, we pray that we look forward to that final and full noonday sun when he'll shine in all his glory and all his brilliance. Keep us focused on that day. And may our hearts be changed. May our doubts be cast out. Our anxieties gone. And that we would no longer fear the dark. But that we'd be full of hope and light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.